Welcome to Recommissioned, a bi-weekly podcast where we go back to watch Battlestar Galactica. Each week, I'm joined by my good pal Matt, who has only seen the episodes up to the one we're covering. Now, I've seen them all. And on this week's episode, we're discussing Season 4, Episode 1, He That Believeth in Me. I had my crew clean it up. There's not a ding or a scratch on it. It's got the same tail number as the one she flew out on. I've been fixing up that old bird since day one, and this thing looks like it's been rolled off the showroom floor. So it's not the same ship? Unless you found a hell of a body shop out there. No, ma'am, it's not. Admiral, it's just not the outside either. This is the data from the nav computer. There isn't any. It's blank. There's no record of where this ship has been. Okay. Put her in the brig. Bum, bum, bum. Treachery is afoot. Or is it, Matthew? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, this damn show. We're here. Season four. Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. You stuck with us mm. this far. We've been uh, doing, we've been averaging a season a year. <laughs> Actually, less than that. <laughs> And uh, we're finally here. We're finally here at season four, Matthew. Exciting times. We are in. We're seniors at Galactica High. That's it. It's time. We, we've got a lot of electives this semester. <laughs> and, <laughs> like Cylon Studies. Yep. And here we are. And here we are. Cult, cult starting 101. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Find Sex all, cult beginning. Find all the hottest people in the fleet, apparently, and get right? them to join. He started Nexium. Let's just be honest. All right. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> Pretty much what he did. I guess he did. But here we are, and hey. uh, coming out of the gate real strong. Um, they're upon us, Matthew. I have a question for you right now. Oh, it's oh. season four. Okay. You've managed to stay pretty spoiler free, from my understanding. I'm quite spoiler free. Yeah. What are your expectations out of season four? Give me a general overview. If there's any questions you want answered. If there's, oh. if there's anything, have you considered it at all? What what do you, do you have high hopes? Do you have low hopes? Do you have middling hopes? Um, do you mm. think the show has gotten worse or better over time? Hit me. I want you to free associate okay. Battlestar okay. Galactica with me tonight. And, well, well the whole time. I, we got to talk about the episode too, but. <laughs> True. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, man. Um, I'm still very good as far as no spoilers. I have not spoiled really anything about the show, you know, outside of my one slip up way early on where I found out the newscaster was a Cylon before we'd finished the uh, the two parter. I was like, mm. ah, shit, I fucked that up. I've been especially vigilant ever since that day, all those twenty years ago, um, <laughs> and I have not spoiled anything. But the one little thing I, I you know, I've just kind of noticed, not no no specifics, but I've noticed grumbles from you know some of our listeners and some of the internet at large about how season four of Battlestar Galactica is kind of one of the weaker ones. Like season four was maybe not as strong as, as season three or two. And you know, and some people being kind of dissatisfied with the way it ended. I don't know anything about the ending, but I've heard that there was some dissatisfaction among fans. So I know that's that's been kind of on my radar. I'm like, all right, maybe there's maybe this is a slight downgrade, but um Man, so far so good. Uh, I really enjoyed this episode. I think, I think that as far as the quality of the show overall goes, I mean, I feel like we saw a slight dip 
way back in, oh, maybe the second half of season two, it, mm-hmm. feel, it feels like. Black it's hard market. to remember. <laughs> but there you go, Black Market. You know, the, the episode where they're making a documentary. You know, some of those were just like, eh, you know, maybe not quite as strong as what it came before. None of them terrible. I, I would still say Black Market is probably the worst episode of the show, but still a fairly decent episode of television, you know, compared to the rest of what's out there in the world. Um, but yeah, man, I, I feel like the quality's never really dipped much lower than that. And and this season starts off where it, you know, picking up right where the season left off uh, at the end of season three and into the battle. Right now, man, I've got pretty high hopes. I'm I'm feeling good about where we're going. I'm liking, you know, uh, of course, I, my my concern is, do we have so many mysterious Cylon plates up and spinning that we're going to start to lose control of some of them or some of them aren't going to get wrapped up or we're going to have some loose ends. I do anticipate some loose ends, but I'm not a person who needs every single thing tied up in a bow. I'm okay with that. Uh, but I definitely, I mean, I'm like, you have so much going on. <laughs> there's there's just so much happening. Um, and as far as my my questions, the fucking show already knows my question, Dean. It already changed its intro to screw with my head. And hmm. that is, ah, yes, the seven have been revealed. Four more are living in secret. And one is yet to be revealed. And I'm like, oh, fuck you, I know. <laughs> and I am struggling with that question, man. Awesome. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, right here and now, my two theories, it's fucking Kara or it's fucking Bi- Gaius. Like, it's it's one of them. I, I'm pretty sure about that. Uh, if strong, I was gonna put a percentage guesses. on it. Huh? Strong guesses. Strong guess, strong guess. I mean, and I'm fairly sure about it being one of those two. I'm like a, I'm like a 75% on that. Not 100, not there. It's, but it's, I'm feeling strong about it. it's one of them uh i mean the the echoing words of the first cylon hybrid were in my head this entire episode do not follow kara thrace she is the herald of the apocalypse the harbinger of death mm. boy that has been sitting on me this entire episode and i was very my my most minor complaint but it is something i was hoping to see and i didn't was that for lee to remember the warning. He he didn't get to hear the whole thing. I mean, you know, we talked about that when we covered Razor. You know, she wasn't able to get out the you know all of the message, but she was say she, she did say to him, "I'm pretty sure, Lee, I have to warn you about Kara." And then she got cut off. And I'm like, that would forever ring in my ears, especially after this moment of Kara disappearing for two months, showing back up, acting like normal. Her ship is brand new. She says she's found Earth. She's being aggressive. I, I that would be ringing in my ears. Remember that one time. She said, warning me about Kara. Hmm. <laughs> I wonder. And it bothered me that Lee didn't at least... I, I wanted even just a shot of Lee's face seeming more questioning. Because to be honest, I actually got a little annoyed with Lee a couple times in this episode being so ready to embrace Kara. I was like, wow, man, you need to have a little bit more uh, suspicion in your court. Uh, you can't be just this open-armed about everything. Uh, but yeah, man, dude, I, I feel like we're off to a great start. I feel like the show's quality overall has stayed extremely consistent. And even, you know, with its dips, it's never dipped too low. And I feel like the height of its quality is, has been spectacular. Um, shoot, dude, I'm just I'm just looking forward to it all. And as far I, I do, my only theory about what's to come involves Baltar. Because uh, otherwise, I am, I'm at a loss. I have, no, I have no idea what our four revealed Cylons are going to do. I, I I could I don't even have a speculation on that one. I, I I feel like they could blow their own heads off at any second, or they might be sleeper agents that wake up and do terrorism. I don't know. I am so at a loss with them. But Baltar, 
I've got some theories. I've got some theories after this episode. Excellent. So yeah, I'm feeling great about season four so far, man. Awesome. Well, uh, that's a good primer, and uh, my excitement levels are, are rising as a result of yours. It's contagious. <laughs> Randier. Uh, now, the the one thing I do want to discuss about this episode out of the out of the gate is the title, "He That Believeth in Me." Um, that yeah. title uh, is heavy. And, um, you know, Tommy Brinkley on our recommissioned a Battlestar Galactica podcast private group on Facebook said, uh, Matthew Anderson, what do you think of the fact that Starbucks expects to be a Cylon all, all while we, the audience, knows that there are at least four Cylons on board Galactica already? And also, what do you think, why do you think they chose he that believeth in me for the title of the episode? Um, so he asked that and it got me thinking about it. And, you know... We've covered a lot of TV on LSG Media in the past, not so much anymore, but a lot of times uh, people would read into titles quite a bit, and I didn't really get into all that. I didn't really care much about titles. I figured titles were pretty much just a teaser as to what was going to happen. Dude, can um, we just say, I feel like I wasn't even aware that TV episodes had titles until 2011. <laughs> that is something people talk about. I'm like, dude, I didn't, nobody knows the titles until Netflix. Like, that that was not a part of my reality in the early 2000s. That's funny. I did, I did for, um, because of Star Trek DVDs, and I was obsessed uh, with knowing what episode, like, it was a point of pride to know about a make-believe world. Well, also, Star Trek did show their titles on each episode, didn't they? I feel like they used to do that. At least Next Generation. I think Next Generation did, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's crazy that I'm blanking on that. But yeah, I would, because you'd look at the disc and you'd be like, oh man, this one has Data Lore or, oh cool, this one has, um, you know, Unification 1 and 2. Awesome. Hell yeah. I can't wait for the next right. disc. You know, shit like that. But I didn't own many TV series on DVD. In fact, I only owned Battlestar Galactica, which I have on Blu-ray, and Star Trek, I think, as far as... Television. I'm looking over my shoulder here, Matthew. Yeah, that's all I own for TV. I don't really, and that, and that was because I. So I own. Let's see, five, ten. I own about twenty Blu-ray, and I bought them within a year. I was going bananas, and then I said, I'm going to stop doing this because this Netflix disc thing. I I think the streaming is going to become a reality. I've heard the rumors, and I'm and I, I'm not going to do. I'm not going to buy into DVDs anymore. I just stopped. you're a madman, Dean. It'll never change. Yeah. DVDs will live forever. I, I wish I would have put fucking stock in Netflix at the time. <laughs> that would have been really uh, showing my my uh, foresight. Uh, but anyway, back to the title: "He that believeth in me." Uh, Matthew, I don't know how much of a um, biblical upbringing you have. Um, I don't have a super strong one. I was baptized, of course. I am, uh, I guess you'd call me a, a Catholic. Uh, I, I would say I'm not really somebody who participates uh, in especially organized religion, that's for sure. Um, I am respectful of religion because I, people I care about, some of them are religious, some of them are not. Um, I don't think religious people are foolish or stupid. Um, Agreed, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I don't think atheists are foolish or stupid unless they— Either one of them are being foolish or stupid to each other. Um, uh, without going on on a religious tangent, although this is the show for that. <laughs> kind of. I, I will say that he that believeth in me is a very interesting biblical verse um, that, of course, I did look up. So did you, and should we talk about it? 
Yeah, even though I feel like I'm, I don't have a lot of speculation on that. Uh, you know, and for me, like I was with somebody who did pretty much go to church every single Sunday with my mother, a Southern Baptist Church in South Carolina. <laughs> I, uh, I was also I never... with a Southern Baptist. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, never was the kid even in my most religious days uh, that was like memorizing Bible verses or anything. But uh, I was definitely interested. You know, for a long time, I, I was very interested in the New Testament specifically. I thought the the writing was interesting. But yeah, I was never somebody who like I had friends in church who it's like you could really be like uh, name John seven nine, and they could just like fucking recite you the verse. Mm-hmm, and I'm like, mm-hmm. whoa, I don't can't do that. <laughs> Maybe I was just lazy. I don't know. Well, uh, just not what you did. It's, it's it just what is what it is. It's it's no, there's no judgment. But yeah, except dude, for I me, next time up. I see you, I will smite you, put holy water on you, pound a stake in your chest, and bury you on sacred ground. So as that. if you could touch, as if you could touch holy water without burning, you fucking heathen <laughs> scum. <laughs> That's true. Actually, <laughs> I try. I, I I try. But um, <laughs> but no, man. So, this is this is John eleven twenty five, and really, what the the specific part of it that the title comes from is Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Do you know what they're talking about? The the specific context around that, like I don't remember who he's talking to, but I mean, he's talking about, this this is kind of the revelation of, the way to salvation is to have faith in Christ himself. Like right. that, that was the revelation there that instead of basically, basically I know the whole, the whole real radical thing about Christ at that time was that instead of basically having some elite, you know, cadre of like upper religious people, you know, the, the gatekeepers to salvation is like, no, you can just believe in me, just have faith in me. And that's it. And you're in, yep. <laughs> you're in baby, believe in me and we're done. We're good. So in this particular context, we are referring to Lazarus. Oh, this is that story. Okay. Pretty interesting, right? And the actual uh, resurrection. Story. And I just read it a little bit. So I, I'm, I, I apologize if I, if I fuck this up and, uh, and it offends you, um, relax is the first thing I'll tell you. Cause <laughs> you can't, if you, I, I it's going to be hard for me to, uh, it doesn't matter. So it's, it's surrounding Lazarus. And um, who is sick and all this stuff, and it, it gets back to and they're like, oh, somebody, somebody you love is sick. Jesus, he's told I don't remember by who, and um, and 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 that's when Lazarus, Lazarus is dead, basically. And um, let me see, let me actually find the actual passage. Here we go. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. If thou hadst been here, my brother wouldn't have died, basically. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give thee. Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. Pretty fucking cool as it relates to this episode, right? Right. I know I'm looking at, I'm not going to pretend I know this offhand at all. It's definitely on Wikipedia. <laughs> but one of the interpretations uh, of this, the story of Lazarus, essentially, and the, the miracle of Christ raising him back, 
Uh, a lot of theologians actually view it as the pivotal miracle which started the chain of events that led to Jesus's crucifixion as well mm. by the Roman government. Yeah, this, so, this starts to go there. I'm, I'm reading it a little, but but as it relates to Battlestar Galactica, how now now that we have context around the quote, what do you think it? How do you think it plays into this episode? Well, see, that's I mean, I part of me. Who do we? Like who do we think died? See, now, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's the part that's really tricky. Who is the he and who is the me? Like, I'm not sure mm-hmm. who that should refer to. It's I mean, a double entendre it, almost. Because almost. there's like two you things. Very much, I feel like the easiest way to go is like, oh, okay, it's talking about Gaius. I mean, look at him. He's the Jesus figure now. Like, he, he has a, Derek, a cult of— Derek was a, sick. Derek was dying. And he brought him back, right. uh, you know, through the power of his prayers and offering his life most specifically. Yeah, because, I mean, that is, that's the real crux of, of Christianity, that Jesus sacrificed himself, and that led to the salvation of everyone who acknowledges and has faith in him. That's that. And, and he offered up his life in a moment where he, I think he does genuinely believe it in this episode. And Six is even there, almost like a fucking angel, to ask him if he means it. Like the angel that appeared uh, to Christ when he was on the, the cross and offered, like basically offered him, we can let you off of the cross. We can take you away from this and all the pain now. And he says no and, and lets himself die and provide salvation to the world. And that's definitely, I mean, the Jesus allegories are all over the place when it comes <laughs> to to Gaius. Like, it, it's, it's thick with uh, comparisons. Yet we chop off his hair and beard. Exactly. Mm. That was another kink in the chain. I was bit like, are you fucking, uh, Bit of a damn it. Yeah. <laughs> it's messing with me. Um, so there's that. Like, there's that angle as well. But when you think about in the context of the episode and then the the the, the way that the title is almost like an action of like, he that believeth in me. Mm. And I, I think about, well, who is not being believed in in this episode and who is in fact believing in them? And I think about fucking uh, Apollo and Kara. Like that, Lee's essentially the only person who believes in her and he's trying to, to get everybody to see the light on her. And I actually kind of disagree with that. I'm like, I think you're be- not being cautious enough about this and everybody else is right. Um, but I think that's another angle that you could argue that the title's being applied to. Got it. And I'm, and I'm not sure which way. I, I really don't know which way I'm leaning. I'm like, I, I don't know. I feel like there's as much there for either of those interpretations and as much there to disprove either of those interpretations. Interesting theories, though. And yes, to your point about the raising of Lazarus, it is the last of the seven signs. Right. Right. And, and the most... Uh, Important, really. Uh, the most, I guess you'd say... Uh, awesome, and I'm and I'm using right. that term, uh, term as you would imagine it would be used biblically. Um, <laughs> dude, the that, awesome, that's what Peter said when he did it. Man, he's like, man, fucking awesome, oh, fucking awesome, dude. High dude, five, dude. That guy was wicked dead, and you brought him back to life. That's fucking radical, Jesus. Dude. High f- up here, man. <laughs> up here, dude. <laughs> high five, brother. Dude, we gotta hang ten and blaze it up more, Jesus. That was fucking <clears throat> awesome, dude. That was that was fucking rad. <laughs> you know how they talk in the Bible. <laughs> Jesus just opens a portal and Lucifer eats everyone. He's like, "Never mind, they're yours." <laughs> oh, shit, I'm good. They're yours. <laughs> uh, uh, the awesome power of uh, of the raising of the dead. You know, you, you you start with water and wine, and you and you land at raising people from the dead. So that, he fed a lot of people with fish, you know, he did all that stuff. But then he brought a dude back from the dead. That walking on water is cool, but everyone knows in Dungeons and Dragons, resurrection is the tits. 
<laughs> man, Necrovancer, <laughs> fucking awesome, dude. <laughs> no, man, the clerics have true resurrection, not reanimate dead. Reanimate dead is oh. no good. That's your movie stuff. <laughs> I'm talking it's about the power bullshit. of true resurrection with clerics at high levels, man. Nice. Nice. Oh, your barbarian got a little overzealous, got his head caved in by a cave troll. No problem. Resurrection. <laughs> is that for just like an obnoxiously overpowered character that by they're like level 48 in Dungeons and Dragons? And it's like this campaign should just end by now. It's, you're, just, it's, you're just God. It's outrageous. <laughs> yeah, it's an outrageous power. Um, I don't even know what level the spell is in the game, but it's way, way up there. It's way Damn. up there. Yeah, it takes, I think it's a nine. Back in the day, it was like, I think the highest spell level, and I'm going way back in editions, but was like ninth. A ninth oh. level spell, you had to be like 18th or 19th level to cast. Damn, right. dude, that is a serious commitment to not getting laid. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah, but you're raising dead barbarians, dude. <laughs> You know, it's it's fucking, better than pussy. Dude, you know, you walk into a town in D&D and make-believe land, you're going to be crushing puss. Fuck real <laughs> girls. Huh? You know what I mean? Well, well, well we're uh, way off target. Stay on target. Luke, you switch off your targeting computer. <laughs> well, let's go. Kara, <laughs> my plane didn't blow up, dude. It's fine. I found Earth. Billadom is very <sighs> hot under the collar here. And we get a yeah. very unexpected open, which is this massive battle. This battle this, rules. Oh, man, it's incredible looking. It, it's just badass. I mean, this might be the coolest looking space battle we've had on the show yet. The, the dogfights are spectacular. And one thing they've done, you know, we talked about it some on Razor, and I feel like it's starting to carry through here, and I'm super excited about it, is the changing, the use of the camera, like mm. the point of view now, like is is sticking to cockpits more. It's it's weaving in and out of things more. It reminds me of the um, the uh, opening space battle in episode three, Star Wars episode three, which is, you know, one of the better parts of that movie. Uh, I mean, that shit just looks fantastic. We're weaving in and out of things, following ships, seeing like tracer rounds flying over the, the, the battles and just the, the scale of seeing all of the anti-aircraft popping in, in the air. Ah, it looks fantastic, dude. This is such a kick-ass sequence. Have you ever heard of the tale of Darth Plagueis? <laughs> Sorry, that's my favorite part. Of he had the power to raise Lazarus. That's, that's honestly, yeah, that's why I'm doing it. You beat me to it, but that's my <laughs> that's my favorite part of that movie. Actually, that's Did a really you good part. Hear of the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for Ian McDermott. He's actually really great. He's fucking awesome. He had so much knowledge. But, uh, <laughs> unnatural. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrific. Um, okay. So I don't like the, the trickery, the fake kill of Adama. I don't like that. Don't do that. Yeah. I mean, I don't the like sequence it. is executed so well, but it yeah, did, it if it really me, happened, <laughs> it would have been the most awesome thing ever. And I love <laughs> like, Bill Adama. Uh, it, I was actually eating something. <laughs> while watching that scene and seriously I had a moment of food full in my mouth of like what the fuck like <laughs> oh my god really and then when they faked me out I was like oh you bitch yeah it's stupid <laughs> you bitch show but to the point of what is going on is we got Saul freezing up and I love I love the stuff with Anders in this episode yeah he has man, a lot of awesome I shit in this the, the idea of what I love about this this is a whole new perspective with the with the revealing of these Cylons, we are learning that 
they're not sleepers. No, not anymore, at least. And they don't appear to be. They don't appear to be getting controlled at this time. Right. But what Andrew says is the natural inclination of anyone following the show for the past three seasons is going to wonder. You're going to wonder, what the fuck? What if a flip is switched? And he's the only one thinking that. Yeah. And, it, and it that's kind of awesome. Like, that's so such a realistic thing to think. Oh, absolutely. And it, to be honest, it bothers me a little more that the other characters, the other people, aren't aren't thinking about that angle. Like, Tyrrell, I mean, to be honest, I have a Tyrell thought process strike, on that. What's that? I have a line on why I think that's the case. Mm, okay, well, I mean, for me, the way Tyrrell reacts to all of it, he just seems like a man pretty much in the throes of denial when he's in doing his job. He's just like, I'm just not going to think about it at all. Like, I'm just pushing that completely out of my mind and going to ignore that reality. Um, and Anders is the one who... Uh, yeah, it keeps it right at the forefront of his mind, and and like I said, uh, like you said, like I don't blame him. I'm if if I had found that uh, that information about myself, I'm this in the situation. That's what I'd be thinking all the time. Of course, like I should almost like it almost. It's almost like finding out you're a werewolf. You're like I should be chained up to the wall. Like don't let me out of here. I don't know what I could do. I I, I could be a threat nah. at any given second. Hey, nah, really, turn me loose. Yeah, <laughs> turn me loose. <laughs> it's me, throw me into the heart of the enemy. Do you smell that? Yeah, let me go. No, but I, I know <laughs> what you're you, saying. I'm just teasing. Um, but <laughs> I think I think they're all thinking it. It's just they're all handling it differently. Right. And I think right. the chief is doing what the chief has always done, work hard. <laughs> it's true. It's right? true. It's, it's almost like he's doing himself and work. That's what he is. That's he's he's always been that way. And he has this and and, and obviously Anders is has a sense of duty in, in what I'm about to say does not diminish that duty, but he didn't come up in the fleet like Saul and the chief. And they're just like, we got to go to work. What are we going to do? Yeah, that's true. Whereas that's Anders is like, I, I'm more thoughtful about this thing in particular, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and Tory is tough to say, but I, that's why I kind of have a line on, I'm just Tory's more. I was uh, about to say Tory's the hardest to read yeah, of them all. I'm yeah, like, Ooh, sure. I don't know how she feels. I mean, for one, she is the political tactician of them all, and she's probably very good at being like, I'm just going to keep this. <laughs> right. I'm just going to play it real Machiavellian and cool. But what a great, what a great open. What a great battle. And what yeah, a fucking moment with the eye scan. Oh, it's so good. It's so good, man. <clears throat> and you know, I want to say something real quick. Like, I, I'm with you as far as being kind of annoyed at the fake outness of of uh, Saul shooting Adama but I like seeing that that is truly like the height of Saul's fear ah like, okay because that's I mean, a great interpretation was, I like that right well, I mean he was there on the deck when uh when Boomer came in and blasted Adama oh, and he I had think his that's hands his, holding his fucking aorta from exploding or whatever he was exactly. doing exactly <laughs> And it's like, I feel like that really is constantly in the back of his mind for, for this. Of like, oh my God, I could be that person. I could be that Cylon now. They could take control of me and make me kill my best friend in the world. Like, that's terrifying. That's his ultimate fear. That's a great uh, point. And, and to be honest, like the way they, the way it's filmed, it is both, it looks cool and I think it's well executed, but I don't appreciate the fake outness of it. But I like seeing his fear on display like that. that. That's a cool thing from him. Because, I mean, of any character in this show, if anybody can tamp down the fear and just fucking do the job and be brutal about it, it's Saul Tai. Like, that's him. And I like him having this real moment of hesitation. Like, I don't... I can't think of another time on this entire series where Adama's had to be like, Saul, 
Saul, like, what? Hey, yeah. wake up! Like, what are you doing? Like, he's completely out of it there for a second. I, I want to shout out. Really cool. I want to sh- shout out uh, Edward James here as well, because we there's no there's no denying that Edward James almost is is, is great in this show. He's had he's had many different emotional states in this show, and oh, he yeah. he's been both powerful and vulnerable, and powerfully vulnerable. Uh, that the, the one of my favorite moments in the show still to date is when Kara admits to him about Zach and they have that like, oh, that what a moment. But oh, yeah. what you see here is something I truly love and it's subtle and it's stress in his voice. In Adama's voice? Yes. We've seen yeah. him in many battles and he doesn't have that horse yelling. And it's because yeah. Kara's back and he's like, what the fuck? He's rattled. He's yeah. rattled by it. And you can hear it in the way he's shouting orders. Not only not only that, but I guess later we learn that this might have been a losing battle for them, uh, which is it is hinted upon. But but that I I truly believe that her arrival here is him just feeling the the stress of this is, and that's I was just I've, I've I finally tried to say goodbye to her. I love her like a daughter. She's back. She clearly she's compromised. This makes no sense. Oh, oh, and I'm trying to keep the fleet from being destroyed in these in these precious moments that we have. <laughs> in these seconds that are happening right now. Yeah. So let me share some thoughts with you I had when I first saw this in the whole eye scan. I thought, so I remember thinking this out loud. In fact, I said it out loud to who? I don't remember who was in the room. <laughs> but I said, wait a minute. Are we to assume that if any Cylon was ever in a cockpit, that that rules them out as being a Cylon? Interesting. Do you see what okay. I'm saying? Because it's unless, and then I said, unless the final five or four, whatever the fuck it is, there's final five, but when we know four, unless the final five, I'm just going to say it that way because it's less confusing, are somehow different. <laughs> mm, okay. Well, I mean, even that that fits with one of my theories. If, if it's Kara, I, it's a pretty good argument to say that, yeah, Kara's always been the best fighter ever in the history of the fleet because she's not even human. Right, um, but that, but that also she's been in the cockpit a million times. Yeah, but we also know the final five were dormant, or at least four of them are, and suddenly they're not. So that change that kind of throws a monkey wrench in, in that theory I had back in the day. But that was my initial reaction. Mm. I remember saying, "Wait a minute, does that mean any pilot that's ever been out there face to face with a raider is definitely not a Cylon, or is this just a question of Cylon timing?" You know how they are, right? I, yeah, I lean towards the timing. Right, idea. right. Um, I hear that because because also when you think about it, I mean, and again, trying to discern the overall like Cylon strategy is real hard to do. Um, but it's very bizarre. We talked about this at the you know the cliffhanger. The fact that essentially all four of our, our people who we now know they are Cylons were revealed at the same time mm-hmm. and to each other and with without any mission to execute. They were just all like, and surprise, you're a Cylon. Like they, they all just got a secret you know, awakening and they all got to find out who each other were and that's that. Now they just live with it? Like what and, a, how does and, that fit into a st- Cylon you know, strategy? I'll tell you, we let this ship pass right by us unseen. We, we should both be hanged for dereliction of duty oh, no. if, if we're for using fuckery. a a Royal Navy term. We, we let the fucking, we let that friendship go right past us. We never discussed the diegetic use of a song that is a known song from America. Yeah, that is true. Right? <laughs> we didn't really talk about that, it, did we? Yeah, it's, it's kind it's, of a big one. It's not, but, but, it, but, it, but it's good timing now. It's good timing as any. I mean, good recovery, I guess. 
But um, <laughs> and that's it was something they all heard. And I remember thinking, wow, the use of a Jimi Hendrix song is fascinating because. Um, well, remember it's originally a Bob Dylan I know. song. What the fuck? I mean, pushing my glasses back up to the bridge of my nose. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Um, like Hendrix it, yeah. did it better, but and that's yeah, okay. That's Even fine. Dylan agrees. <laughs> yeah, I know. He yeah, he said that. But um, but yeah, man, that you, that's a thing. You can't. You don't just do that if you're making a TV show. You don't just get cute and say, "Oh, this is the first time we have ever heard a recognizable song." that that is of american origin and and, and even and pull and, and pull the lens out a little is of earth are we saying exactly. something here of our own you know timeline and, yes and time period and it and it isn't the original it is a cover which is terrible by the way compared to either version <laughs> um but yeah that that because you're talking about they all get activated, they all come to this thing. And yes, around this thing that has ties to Earth, which is what we're being told we're looking for. Right. It's almost like a keep going. It's like the carrot in the stick, you know? And boy, it sure does also make me think if maybe the end of the series has them landing on Earth in our contemporary timeline. And it's like, whoa, it's they've mixed the timelines together. And that's why everybody's like, ah, oh, I hate it. Dude, <laughs> I hate it. I'll tell you what. I'm glad you just said that because that was 100% my theory when I heard the song originally. Really? 100 okay. fucking percent my, yep. And not, it and not my it theory has, alone. I just want to make that clear. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I just yeah. thought that. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Are they going to find Earth and it's going to be fucking, you know, 2007 or eight or whatever it was at the time of this? <laughs> Everybody, everybody watching the, uh, the Battlestar Galactica landing with their, you know, generation one iPods. <laughs> no, dude i got nine songs on this you should hear them <laughs> man i've never seen the aliens are real dude i gotta listen to a my chemical romance song <laughs> yeah what even came out from music in like 2007 uh, nothing good <laughs> <laughs> that was a bad time for movies this bad cover of this for- fucking amazing song is that what you're telling me yeah, pretty much anyway well, then again there will be blood came out in that year but you know <sighs> A lot of good movies. Did you year. see I mean, our dick? Did you see our? <laughs> did you see our guy? The sniveling <laughs> agency reached terms with Warner Brothers and cast your yeah, guy. Yeah, he's gonna be a Batman villain. Good yeah. for him. Riddler, I guess. I don't know. The sniveler. The yeah. sniveler. <laughs> I've I found all these tissues. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're getting we're getting right, way right. too in jokey right now. Let's go to Gaius. <laughs> People are like, "What the fuck let's, are they talking?" Let's about? go to Gaius. That's <laughs> really good. Lot, lots of, remember that. You like that? Lots of hot women waiting for him. <laughs> Dude, it is. It's, boy, this is this is both Gaius's ultimate dream and, and Taylor's ultimate anger. It's everyone else's <laughs> ultimate dream. Anyone who tells right? a difference a liar. A bunch of hot women are worshiping you. <laughs> this is why people <laughs> chop people's heads off by the thousands in the medieval <laughs> days. Right here. <laughs> it's your fault, women. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, all these crusades, they pretend it's about religious principles. Yeah. Nah, you're all horny. That's what it is. That's the only, yeah, they say that so the Vatican would back them when they would fucking take over another country <laughs> <laughs> and not excommunicate them from the church. But uh, Gaius, man, he's kind of becoming Jesus. He's also kind of becoming Thulsa Doom. He's got a cult of women. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> right. <laughs> But, oh, man, I, dude, can you just see I, him rolling in here? Like, could you imagine if this was, like, a little different? Wait, what do you mean? I don't know. Like, what, what if it was a different actor rolling in here? Just put, like, sunglasses. Like, like what was Idris Elba? 
And he's looking around. He's like, I'm going to fuck this bitch. I'm going to fuck that bitch. I'm going to fuck that bitch over Are you <laughs> saying a- if it's just a hotter actor, just an absolute orgy? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to fuck that bitch and this bitch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, James Callis is pretty hot in this, don't you think? I do. I, you know what? And what bugs me is I think he was looking pretty good with the long hair and beard. I thought that Jesus looked suited him. It did. It like, suited him. You didn't have to cut it. Yeah, <laughs> Why'd well, you do that? You, we, well, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. But, um, <laughs> yeah. And there's a couple of, you know, a couple of, couple of pansies. I'll just say it. In the corner, <laughs> lurking around. They got to go. Right to the airlock with them. That's the first move. <laughs> got to consolidate power in my new cult. I don't need anybody challenging my authority. <laughs> but um, I know the names of these women. It was not easy to figure out, but Derek's mom's name is Jean, if you need to know. Okay. And then the girl he fucks is Tracy. Yes, correct. And then uh, Paula is the girl that cuts his beard. So there you go. Ah, uh, okay. All okay. Right. But do you want to just run through the Gaia stuff? Yeah, I think we can. I think that's not too, too hard. <laughs> it's a so, fairly... Simple story of him going from kind of the biggest skeptic in the room of himself to some form of, it seems like, kind of authentic faith. And we've kind what, of seen this What do you think in, about all of this guy's stuff, man? Dude, I, I find it fascinating. And I enjoyed too. the hell out of watching it. But again, like I was saying at the top, man, I, I'm not quite sure what to make of it. And the real, and it sounds kind of silly to say out loud, we already kind of mentioned it, but the biggest kink in my whole theory that was starting to come together was the moment of him cutting his hair and shaving his beard. Mm. I really thought we were kind of marching down a a Jesus allegory path. And when he did that, I was like, oh, wait, is this the show kind of signaling to like, no, that's not the case. Um, I'm not sure. (laughs) Because right after that, like we said, he has that moment of offering up his life and Six even being there to question his authenticity in that moment. And he commits and then he is saved. And Mm -hmm. the boy Derek is saved. Mm. And he you know, comes back and uh, kind of seems to have renewed faith in the cause, whatever the cause is. Um, but honestly, man, my, my real com- my real takeaway from all this is, okay, so do the Scions want to use Gaius as the infiltrator to convert all these polytheists to monotheism? Is that what this is? Is this just like a, a cultural religious inception where they're like, we're going to take away your belief in all these multiple gods and jello one true god? It's funny. Like, is that their whole plan? Is that the thing? Yeah, I know. There's a lot going on here. I love his trepidation at first, man. Uh, you know, oh yeah, he's. I, lo- I mean, this ship of fools. I'd rather king. be hated by everyone than loved by them. Yes, <laughs> relax, Gaius excels him. I didn't brought you this far just to let it end here. Interesting, right? And that's when uh, Tracy, you know, just sort of is like, I feel my your prayers are empty, and I feel empty. And she's like, Well, fill me up, and he does. <laughs> And uh, wasting zero time, just crushing tail. I think I do feel the spirit of God. But but this is, you know, the post-coitus slumber is the introduction of this poor kid who's probably been outside in the woods in Massachusetts getting his fucking viral-born encephalitis, getting bit by mosquitoes. I don't know what his problem is. <laughs> Deer ticks. Uh. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I like how... I like how Gene is just sort of like, maybe the one true God doesn't want him to live. And, and he's almost prepared to accept that. And that's when Gaius does the don't let this child die. He has sinned against you. He, ha- he has he sinned against you. He can't have sinned against you. How can you life. take him and let me live after all that I've done? If you want someone to suffer, take me. What do you think about this moment out of Gaius Balter? Because 
God knows it's easy to shit on him and say that he's full of shit constantly. You think he's full right. of shit right here? Man, you know, in these moments, I don't. I actually... Why, why be full of shit if if you're presumably everyone's sleeping and you're kind of just doing it? And you were about right. to bolt. Just make it be clear. He was like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Oh, yeah. He wanted... He, he, he was, was weirded out by this. Yeah, he's at the door. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and especially in the moment, I think it's very real because uh, in the moment where he is being attacked by yeah, the guy... straight razor on his neck. Right, straight razor on his neck, already cutting into his neck. Uh, and, you know, the, the only other, you know, the woman with him was still being held up by the mm-hmm. other dude attacking. He had nobody there to save him. And he committed. He looked that dude in the eye. He was like, take me, take my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, who are you trying to impress there? I mean, you could say it was a strategy to try and throw this guy off or something. No or give you a pause. But I'm like, but he didn't have anything to fight him with. He didn't have anything to do. Like, there's, they, that was tr- a truly hopeless moment. He already had the razor into your neck, into your skin. And yeah. he he committed, man. He really did. Right. So he's in also these not moments, John Rambo. He's not. He doesn't have a combat mind. Like he's not thinking. Oh, no. I'm gonna let me buy time so I can make my move. Like no, he's like. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but the only kill we've actually seen him do was he shot a <laughs> he shot the dude in the back. Yes, yes, he that's did. Pretty, that's pretty much it. <laughs> that lieutenant in the back because that guy had his gun on Callie or something. Exactly. Yeah, she was having a meltdown. He's not a he's not a warrior. Is what I'm trying to say. But that's that's this is crazy for him, man. You know this is a this is wild. And then Derek is fine, and he's yeah. astonished. That's what's awesome about Callus here. He is astonished at the news. Yeah, he, he can't it's also established it. that the kid's condition is a viral one. Like there's not even mm-hmm. medication they can give for him. There's really there's no Treat other the symptoms, secret right? yeah. single thing they could have done for him. Right. It's crazy. Also, right. what a relentless beating Paula gives those guys. Dude, oh, dude, that moment when he's like kind of still recovering and in the background, she's just lifting that metal bar. Thud, thud, thud. I was like, dude, that guy's head is a busted pumpkin right now. He, <laughs> like, he is Gaius just comments on it too. He's like, be careful with that whole thing because you don't want to be murdering people. <laughs> right. I was like, damn, girl, <laughs> really uh, going to town on that dude. I appreciate it. He was strangling her to death. He was, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's fair. You don't want him coming back on you. Finish him up. Put him in a Finish wheelchair. Him up. Make him eat out of a straw. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so no, Gaius, no. what's going on with Gaius? What an interesting start. I mean, in, remember, season four, episode one, we have established a, a, a Gaius arc here. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Gaius is now a, a figure of some sort of religious movement that is also playing into... I have to imagine some part of the Cylon plan because Six is Six is feeding him what to say mm. even at moments where he didn't like, seem thrilled uh, that he was fucking that hot girl though. What's that? She wasn't thrilled he was fucking that hot girl. Yeah, that's kind of true. <laughs> <laughs> She's jealous. She's a jealous warrior. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I liked that moment when when he was like, "Oh, uh, the, the truth," and she's like, "That there's only one God." Like she's kind of annoyed with him, where she's like, "There's one true God, Gaius. Come on." Been coaching your ass for like a year and a half now. Yeah, no kidding, right? Like, you, don't you get it yet? Don't you get it? Remember all those times I was going to abandon you, you fuck? Too cool. <laughs> um, so if we return to the fleet proper and we get back to the stuff uh, outside of Gaius, the last thing we had discussed was essentially the battle, Kara's return, the scanning of the eye, and then Kara landing back on the deck in business as usual. Dude. She doesn't uh. bat an eyelash. Not at all. And if you look very carefully, it's funny. I didn't notice it till the scene reveals it to me, which comes after the scene. But her her fucking viper is spotless. It's beautiful. It's pristine. 
pristine. I didn't notice it. I wish I would have on original watch, but there's a shot where she's talking to the chief and you see behind her and she's like per- perfect white, pure white. I'm like, wow, right. look at it's that got, thing. It's got some Cylon Raider blood on it a little bit, but otherwise, right. not a scratch. Right. <laughs> but yeah, that that was, um, what'd you think of that? That's kind of a, a thing they've, they've we've, we know there's precedent because of Scar way oh, yeah. back, but we haven't really seen it much. And now they're like, well, we got some more money. Well, <laughs> that's true. Um, but yeah. I also, I mean, I remember the this, this scene early on, I think it was uh, season one or season two where, where Kara actually pilots the Cylon Raider and gets inside of it. And that's I what was, I was talking about was, when I said ra- Razor. Um, Scar. Oh no, Scar. Scar. Yeah. Which you also see that one bleed too. But um, right. but yeah, like we, we know that they are all uh, full of guts and stuff. So I actually kind of like the idea of like blasting, you know, into a raider that's ahead of you and flying through the, its debris. You're like, yeah, you'd probably get covered in blood. <laughs> that's sure. pretty intense. And then they're committing <laughs> to it too, which is awesome. But yeah, yeah. she's like, oh, Tyrrell, can you do a couple things? Fix this, that, and the other thing. And um, <laughs> he's like, no. <laughs> and then the guns come out and she's like, what the fuck? But I like, by the way, Lee, class act to hug her. Like, Oh, totally. Well, yeah. everyone's sort of, and then and then Andrus comes up, right? And she's like, "Why are you in a flight suit?" And this is where we get the time dilation. Yeah, man. She's perceiving she six hours, yeah, six hours, <laughs> and it's been too but much. And I'm glad they told us that because I didn't know. I was like, "How the fuck is he flying?" <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, Kara. <laughs> yeah, he's been training. Mm. But yeah, she is. She's shocked. She, I, yeah, I've been gone for six hours. What are you all talking about? I've been off ship. I've been off the, off the ship for a few hours, and you all lost your minds. Yeah, it's very cool. And but, I do I do like Adama's call here. I think it's it's a strong move from him to be like, you need to go to the doctor. You're going to be escorted there by Marines. Like, we don't understand the situation at all. Right. And as much as I'm, like, happy to see Kara back, and I'm like, this is cool, as far as this, you know, the viewpoint of the characters and the people on this ship, I'm like, yeah, I'm with Adama. Like, you got to be careful as hell. Like, this is a totally bizarre. Like, for that's, sure. We have footage of her ship blowing up. We have her last transmission. It's been two and a half months, and then yet here she is acting fine and normal in a ship that, regardless of whatever its call sign is, its its, its identification numbers, it's spotless. It is not the same ship. Even if it, this were her ship, how was she able to fix it? Like, none of this makes any sense. I, I would be all for, no, you need to have guns on her. You need to have escort. Like, this can't just be waved off. Yeah, man. So I really, I really like Kara in this episode. I like the way it's written. I like the way she acts. I think Katie Sackhoff is a really good actress and she really sells the, oh no, business as usual and in almost getting annoyed. But there's also a small part of me that wishes she would have just said, I get it. I've been in your position. I get it. Right. You know, like she's so over the top, like. She doesn't even uh, give. Come on, guys! Yeah, and right, I'm like, like, dude, how can you expect uh, them to exactly, just be cool? <laughs> exactly. That was the one thing I was like, come on, Kara, you. This is something you should. And, and you know, it's easy for me to say I'm not being called a possible traitor, and in, in getting right. angry at that thing that would piss me off. You know, if somebody's going after your very the fiber of your character, but at the same time, right. you, you know the lay realistic. of the land. You know what goes on in the Cylon human war. And uh, it's not, you you, ha- you have to see it a little ground here and understand and put yourself in their position. And you know, but one thing I, I would say against that actually, that I think just goes to Kara's character and who she is. You know, there's that great moment later on where Anders is talking to her and what a painful moment. It's a great piece of dialogue where he's like, you know, even if you were a Cylon, like that doesn't change anything. I, I love you. I love you no matter what. And she's like, well, if I found out you were a Cylon, I'd put a bullet between your eyes. And he's just kind of like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think that moment 
reveals a lot about her. Um, and, and the fact that she would just unwaveringly, she's so unwavering in her conviction that it's even true. when it goes against everybody else's conviction, she's almost annoyed by it. She doesn't take other people's point of view at all. Um, and that's kind of who she is. She is so just headstrong that she does not think about how this looks to the rest of them. Right, which is unfortunate because you you could also, it, it, and to sort of fence back to you on that, I would also say, you're also a smart, intelligent woman. You should know that this appears over the top and crazy and you're not helping yourself convince them. I agree. Right. It's like, so, but again, it's it's good. You know, it's good stuff. It's in a weird, and it puts us, the viewer, in a weird spot. Like, man, what the fuck is going on? Also, thanks for having a senior meeting uh, with Lee, by the way, and not <laughs> your fucking executive officer. What the fuck? What is, what is Ty chop liver to you people? <laughs> When's the last That's time you be- saw a staff meeting on the on the Enterprise and there's no Riker? Come on, man. Right. Jesus. You got Lee on there plain clothes. I'm fucking I'm a I'm a barrister now, Lee. <laughs> I'm just a dude now. What's up? Can I be in the meeting, Daddy? <laughs> but anyway, the the problem with Kara's story and what has Roslyn on guard, and I can appreciate Roslyn's position in this. Yeah. Is this is this fugue? This I don't remember. I don't know. And then to make it worse, we go to the deck and the chief's like, it's right off the showroom floor, guys. I, I don't know what to tell you. And the president's like, we need to arrest her. And, and Lee offers some protest, but yeah. And, and even Saul's like, look, Cottle's test is bullshit. It didn't detect Bummer. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's one of those things, even when the moment they said it, but I'm like, you guys know that test doesn't do shit. Like you mm-hmm. have no way of detecting silence. Like right. they have not figured that out ever. No, never. And, um, you know, we've got a couple of different meetups here. Uh, we have the Cylon meetup, <laughs> the Cylon, the Cylon, the Cylon, uh, secret co- Cylon club, Cylon coffee hour, where essentially Saul, Anders, Tori, and the chief are just sort of discussing things. Anders reveals the, the scan and the, and the bug out happening shortly thereafter on a battle that they were winning. Right. And then they discuss Boomer and Saul says, look, Bomer did not know what she was we do, which is a great, interesting moment in the series, which is a brand new angle to think about the Cylons in an interesting way. And that is that, right. this, this self-awareness that they have without, what, without, which seems to be based on their interaction with each other, no loyalty to the Cylons whatsoever. Every time we see the Cylon point of view on, the, on their ships, on the base stars, outside of a little dissident here and there, we we would see it. they're clearly all on the same page, even though there's grumblings about the way they're going about things. These people seem to be completely fine with doing what they're doing and loving their friends and not wanting to hurt anybody. And it's 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 a whole new angle on Cylon thinking that we haven't gotten before, and it's great, and we really see it in this episode. I you know I'm glad you you phrased it that way because that got me thinking more about my angle on this as well. Um, and I, I I'll say this like I think. For one, I personally still could take the route of this is bullshit and you guys are overconfident. And if the Cylons want to flick your switch and make you a sleeper agent, they can do it instantly. And it'll override any thoughts you have about like, I'm me and I can't be controlled like that. You will just be taken over and you'll have no way to stop it. And, And I don't think, I think they're being arrogant here. Like I think Saul is wrong. That's my personal take. Now, what I think is interesting though, is there's a part of me that starts to wonder is if is it is it part of the Cylon plot, the conspiracy, their overall plan? I don't know whatever you want to call it. 
to have the last, because I mean, there's such a distinction. That's something we haven't talked about as well. There is such a distinction between the final five and the other seven. Like the other seven are almost like, they're just like, yeah, they're Cylons, whatever. They're the human Cylon models, whatever. And then like, but the final five, like there's this big deal about who the final five are. And we know four of them now. And they are all in pretty high positions. Like Anders is the only one that you could even argue is in a slightly lower position, but not really. He's still a Viper pilot, which is a pretty in- integral position to be in among the fleet. And then you have the fucking XO, uh, the chief of the entire you know, uh, you know fleet in the docking area. And, and then you have the president's right-hand assistant. Like, those are some pretty high positions of power to have Cylon agents. Um, and then the other, the other aspect of all this is, is it part of the Cylon plan with the final five to have them be self-aware as Cylons, as like part of an experiment, as part of like what does one of our Cylon agents, you know, being implanted within the fleet, being, you know, pretending to be a human being, is the final process of understanding humanity, having them realize that they are Cylons and then react and and respond to that. Mm-hmm. Um, a question. Because yeah. there's, there's a part of me that thinks that some of the, the Cylon plot is an attempt to fully become human, even. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Or, like, or, or at least to fully understand humanity. Uh, and it may be like, this is like the final, this is the final frontier of a Cylon understanding what it's like to be human for them to wrestle with their realization of them not being human. That's a good call. I, don't know. I, yeah. I like I like your take on it. I'm not sure I'm not sure I'd go so far as to say arrogance as it relates to Saul, more like determination and grit to oh, totally. to totally. exist in the only way you know how to, because the other option is what? To 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 shoot yourself. Which he suggests, should we start feeling squirrely, we're gonna kill ourselves. So I think he kind of is saying that when he brandishes the firearm. Oh, I think so. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think that's basically what he's saying. And and there in but this, I, you know, I I definitely see it more like I when I imagine myself in their position, I see it more from the angle of Anders of the only way to be sure and reduce the possibility. Like if you still care, you know, you find out you're a Cylon, but you're like, I don't want to be a Cylon, and I still care about all these people who I see as my brothers and sisters in arms, and you know, these people I care about, and I want the fleet and humanity to survive, even though I realize I'm a Cylon now. You need to be finding a way to mitigate what damage you could essentially do, or you could possibly do. Like I, if I were a pilot, I would literally try and get myself, you know, out of duty. I'd be like, nope, I, I cannot be. I would act like a fucking Section Eight or something. I'd be like, no, like can't, you don't put me in a cockpit. Like I don't, I don't put me in a position where I can do damage. I'd be very concerned about that. Yeah, that's a good question. I uh, or a good point. I think, I, I think. To sim- to think of a th- to, to think of this is in simple brutality. If if these four Cylon people wanted the f- wanted the the people on board of the Galactica dead, they could execute that maneuver pretty easily. I think. Yeah, and it doesn't require much thought. I mean, you you. In, 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 <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not trying you to gather tie up this. some powerful explosives. You spread out yourselves as suicide bombers, and uh, you, you already got a pretty good all, ticket. All right you, there. I mean, I don't know about Tori's fighting proficiency, but I know that the chief Anders and Salt High with uh, three men coordinating with assault rifles in a tube could really <laughs> level this whole fucking place. So I think, I think, I understand why you might want to section eight yourself, but there's also the idea, like, well. Regardless, unless I'm literally in the brig, I'm going to, <laughs> and if we all go in the brig, there's going to be a lot of suspicions being being r- risen 
you know, there, there could be, there could be a survival mechanism within them that says, you know, don't reveal yourself or, or they, or compels them not to suicide themselves. We don't know, right. but, but it doesn't, it wouldn't take much to kill Adama, to kill Lee, to kill Roslyn. It could be done so easily if there was just a flip of a switch and they were like, cool, small arms locker. Here's some grenades. Here's some, here's three assault rifles. We're in a fucking tube. We're trained soldiers. Right. We're active wartime soldier combat veterans in a tube that knows where all these people sleep and we have executive officer access. We're going to kill everybody. And there's not, I mean, if they walk into the CIC, it's over. And they could just vent the entire ship. Like, yeah, that's what I mean. Everybody or all that. It's such a, it doesn't need to be a fancy, cute plot. It can just be a brutal and effective takeover. If the Cylons so choose, if they can, if they're capable of activating these four people into mayhem, mayhem will certainly ensue, and there's not a totally. hell of a lot they can do about it. Um, yeah, I agree there. I think, I think part of, I think, I think we, what I love about this is I love that these, the irony of this episode is these four thinking about Kara because they're in the exact same position she is in, except they're hidden. Yeah, exactly. They're hidden and she isn't. Uh, and, and they, it's fascinating that their reflex is, boy, I'm, I don't know about her. <laughs> it's, it's such, it's such <laughs> right. a mind fuck, you know what I mean? To be like, well, boy, what about me? I don't know about me. And that's when they're like, well, I'm still in control of myself, so I'm going to do what I do. And that's all I can really do without drawing right. all this attention to myself and, and creating a whole nother issue. But, you know, one thing I'm surprised by, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if this does happen in a future episode, um, and I got to imagine it would probably be Anders who would do it, but proposing the idea to all of them, and I bet it'll be shot down. I bet they won't do this. I bet it won't happen, but I want to see it discussed because I, I'd be fascinated to see them discuss the possibility of, hey, should we just, all of us, all together come to Rosalind and Adama and be like, okay, have it sit down while we tell you this information, but we are all Cylons. We found out we are Cylons and we don't want to do damage. We don't want to hurt the ship. We don't understand what's going on, but we know we are Cylons. Maybe you want to put us in the brig so we, you know, we're isolated, but let's talk about what we do from here. Like, what do we do? Like, like cause I'm like, I'm coming. I'm going to tell you the truth now. Like, this is what we are. Can we move forward in some way? Because I mean, I can't imagine that Adama would just be like vent them all in the space, fuck up. Like they, they would, there would be guns drawn. But I imagine there's room for discussion. There's room for okay, holy shit, you're Cylons. Like, what does that mean? What do we do now? Um, you know, like have you? Did you ever think about that? Did you ever think of like could they just all reveal themselves and while they are conscious and aware that they are Cylons and be like, hey, look, we're we're not going to try and hurt you or do anything. I going to tell you. Yep, I 100% thought of that. And yeah. and and I'm going to and I'm going to give you something that could lend uh that could lend strength to doing that or strength to not doing that depending on how you want to look at it. And you know, the whole time we're talking about this, the whole time we're thinking about this, we are very we we are very much affected by our experience with Cylons. We're very much affected by all the things terrible things that we've seen happen in the show. Um, totally, but but the yeah. reality is, the worst there's there's a couple of bad things that happened. There was an explosion, a couple of things like that, in in an arm being shot. But then there's Boomer, yeah, exactly. And, and if and right, which is go to them and tell them, or I'm just going to do my thing, just like Boomer does. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, I would be thinking, I, I'm surprised they haven't talked about Boomer yet, but I would be like, well, Boomer seems to manage, you know what I mean? Like, but it's clear right. Boomer doesn't know. It's clear the other sidelines don't know. And in which, and we get that when Rosen goes to see six. And I love that creepy shit. I can feel them. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Awesome. And I, and I um, love that Rosen goes to see her. It's been a million years, but didn't didn't the boomer who's a board, you know, Galactica boomer, Athena, I guess we should say, um, mm-hmm. didn't she at some point talk about being disconnected from the rest of the silence? Like that was something she was able to achieve? Or am I wrong? Am I remembering that mm, wrong? I don't think so. Okay. Not entirely. She's just not they they've they don't they don't share thoughts though. I think that was I think you speculated a lot that they had a hive mind. Yeah, and, oh yeah, and no, we, back in the day. We kind of learned that they don't. <laughs> but um but no, it's it is yeah, it, it is. That was the thing I thought of. I thought that the honorable move is to go is to turn yourself in, right? Right. Um, and and when when Saul doesn't in this episode, it made me think that there's some sort of lingering program that's not allowing that course of action because it seems like such a tall, such a Saul course of action. Right. Because that's the, it. Just makes me even think about like to put it in you know into our own like world context. If you're a if you're a soldier or you work for the CIA and all of a sudden you got approached by you know a foreign intelligence agency officer and basically implying like how about you become a traitor and, and switch over with us? Should your reaction to that be just to hide it and never talk to anybody about it that you got approached? It's like no, you would take it to your superiors. But okay, look, they tried to approach me and tried to get me to turn. I'm going to tell you. And now, how do you want to proceed? Like, right, right. Like, if you but find this out, it's you like, can, don't you want to just turn it over and be like, okay, look, see, hands up. I'm not trying to do anything with this. I'm not trying to hurt you as, as an enemy. I'm, I want to let you know. The difference, I mean, that's, a, that's a pretty big token of trust. The difference being you cannot divorce yourself from your identity. That's true. So yeah. it's almost like you're saying, here it is, but I already have the muck of, of it, it would almost be like saying, oh, and the person that was trying to recruit me is my father. <laughs> that's a much different stake. <laughs> You know, right. in this particular case, you can't, that you can say, well, here's this and here's me. In this, you're saying, I am me and I am the thing. Well, and like you said, I honestly feel like the existence of Boomer among the fleet and her, her having earned pretty much everybody's, you know, if not respect, at least acceptance, I, I would definitely, if I were going to try and convince all of, you know, if I'm Anders and I'm going to try and convince everybody to let, let's go to Adama and Rosalind and just tell them that we understand that we are Cylons now, but we don't want to harm, you know, the fleet. Uh, that would be one of the things I'd point to. I'd be like, look at her. Like she, she's a she's a Cylon who has changed her mind. <laughs> she has switched weight. Like she is fully committed to us, and and we're we're the same. Like let's let's find a way you know to what? to pr- pr- move. T- yeah. T- to your point, they might not all be in lockstep in the next few episodes. So who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. Right. It's <laughs> see now that's the, that's the real tricky. They might not be in lockstep. Sticky wicket. I I am not. I don't. I try not to be. I, I personally try not to have knee-jerk reactions to things. It might be the kind of thing where I'm like, let's lay low for a little while and figure it the fuck out. If if Boomer doesn't know who we are or Athena, what does that mean? Why yeah, are we no, different? Another- you know, like, there's a lot of unanswered questions, and then... I, that's I, a really cool, quick moment that happens here before yeah, uh, you know Anders yeah. heads out into the battle, where Athena comes up and is like, "All right, well, good job, you know, Rook. Just go ahead and get out there; you'll be fine." And you know, she walks away, and Tyrrell and and him both are like, "Well, she didn't seem to notice. <laughs> she doesn't <laughs> sure. seem to realize." Okay, uh, but obviously, the Raiders can scan them through space and tell, so they're detectable to Cylons. But something, maybe it's only if that that Cylon is looking for it. Pretty wild. 
I don't know, man. But that's such a cool moment of like when, when Athena comes up and talks to you, you're like, oh, shit, if anybody can tell, it's going to be her. Sure. I think at the end of the day, all viable answers, right? All viable points, and that's cool. Yeah. And uh, well, let's talk about Gaeta and Kara. Oh, uh, man. Fucking Gaeta. Fucking Gaeta. <laughs> Fuck Gaeta. And, you know, and I've been saying it all episode. I've actually been chastising Lee for being like, man, you're, you're being a little too open-armedly embracing of Kara. You should be a little more cautious and suspicious. But then when I get to the scene with Gaeta, I'm like, fuck you, Gaeta. <laughs> like, you little dick. You're just such a... Ah, I have lost some serious respect for Gaeta at this point. I mean, he lied at Gaius' trial. I know you don't like Gaius. Now here he's just like, well, and that's what you claimed. Like, he's just such a little bitch ass about it. I hate it. <laughs> such a dick. He could go about it a little differently, couldn't he? He really could, in a way that pisses me off so much less. But, and uh, dude, I love, again, back to our boy fucking Hilo, who's the man. Nah, I love him fucking coming over here. And like, he's, he's not even break. doing the dumb, huh? <laughs> Take a fiver. <laughs> yeah, get the fuck out of here, you little shit. And, you know, he comes over here, and he's not even doing the, like, big dumb, I believe in you, Kara, you're my pal. Like, he's not an idiot, but he's like, hey, look, if you want to prove it, this is what you need to do. Like, you know, follow through on what you've told us. Find a way to prove it mm-hmm. to them. Like, he's still such a fucking good friend to her. He is such a good... Dude, Hilo is probably the best dude on this show as far as, like, a good, honest, loyal friend. I'm like, if I had to... If I had to pick who's going to be my my pal, who I'm going to follow into to combat, it would probably be Hilo. He's just a good dude. You're saying you you would ride him passionately in a in a rain soaked and radiation soaked Caprica, dude? Have I not said it before? He's pretty <laughs> much number one on the beefcake report, man. He's up there. He, he is. He's, he's cemented in place. He might. He might be tops. He might be tops. He man. might be tops. I mean, you know, we we haven't had enough new male characters to do an updated beef report. Anders, gotta, though. Andrews is, oh, no, Andrews is, is also high. Is, is objectively better looking, I think. And honestly, now that Andrews has been revealed to be a Cylon, that's a little bit of an exotic flavor. I'm a little more excited <laughs> about it, maybe. Yeah, you know, Thursdays are going to be different. <laughs> Ooh, I've never, I've never been with a Cylon before. Oh. It's going to be red panty Thursdays after you fight me. Fucking Conor McGregor. <laughs> is he Irish? That was Conor McGregor. <laughs> he, was, he told, because <laughs> he was going to make the other fighters so much money, because that's what he did. He's like, it's going to be fucking red panty night after you fight me. <laughs> so awesome. I'm anyway, your fighter. <clears throat> Adam is like, well, how does this whole thing work? And she's like, well, it's a, it's a feeling. Uh, an intuition, not navigation. She's using um, her Jedi mind powers, basically. When we were at yeah. the nebula, it was clear to me. Each jump fades. Each jump away fades. And Adam says, look, the president's adamant. We are going to continue the course laid out by the eye of Jupiter. And she reacts physically to the jumping. Dude, I, I was Ooh. so happy to see the jump sequence uh, visualized again. We haven't seen that it's since been a minute. season one. Been a minute. Huh? Been, been a, minute. a minute, dude. Um, and I think it's so, it is such a cool choice to do it again here. Because for one, I just love it. I like seeing it again. Mm-hmm. And also, it really adds to the to the effect of Kara feeling this physical removal, this this getting further away from the path that she believes is the path to Earth. Now, you know, that's not normal. Sure ain't. Normal <laughs> Kara Thrace doesn't feel physical, a physical uh, pang in her guts when the proximity between you and what you think is the correct course uh, widens. I mean, what the fuck, Kara? Sure what does that mean, isn't. Matt? I mean, she might be a Cylon for one. Uh, maybe the final Cylon, the extra special Jesus sauce one. I don't know. <laughs> but damn, dude. It, it is freaky. I don't, I don't 
<laughs> to make of it. I love her strength here when Dom was like, you want me to go to the president and blah, blah. And she's like, yes. <laughs> and I also, dude, I love Adama replying like, I can't do that. <laughs> I have stuck my neck out for you plenty. And I cannot do that. I will look like an insane person. Yeah, if you love me like a daughter and she fucking pulls that card, he's like, I can't afford it, dude. <laughs> he's like, I am on thin fucking ice. Rosalind will jab her thumbs into my eyes if I come to her with this <laughs> shit. With her fucking hair all <laughs> sticking out. <laughs> I'm dying of cancer and you come to me with this shit. Ah! <laughs> fucking tears his head off. Uh, Rosalind's been staying with Bill, we learn. We also, they're watching that cam footage and they're just like, oof. And Dude, that's um, so brutal. Bill is like, why don't you, why don't you take the ring? And Lee admits he took him off for the wrong reason, but it's, but it's not time. It's time to move on. So he seems sort of cemented in the, I'm not going to fly a, a Viper. Um, I, you know, I actually really like that. I'm like, good for you, Lee. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you fucking made a choice and you stuck with it. Yeah. And now he's going to take on a really exciting role in government. Dude, I cannot wait to see. I can't wait to, to see, see him the, filing to papers. See the sequel series, Leah Dama, fucking attorney at law. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really cool when he's taking phone calls all day and making appointments, and then rearranging <laughs> his schedule and going to the gym, and then going to his favorite cafe to work on his with his MacBook Pro. <laughs> right? Yeah, you get some Jimmy Johns and he you know, eats a sandwich before he's got to be in court. I can't wait for that scene where he goes tie shopping. It's going to be very riveting. Oh, so good. I can't wait for the scene where they're like, uh, and he's like, oh, well, we'll settle. All right. And then he goes home. <laughs> and then weirdly enough, in the, the third episode of the, that series, of the Leodama attorney at law, he like has to go into a black market and shoot a guy. And you're like, wait, what? Mm. I thought you were a lawyer now. What the fuck? I know. It's fucking brutal. I can't wait though. Silly. It's going to be great. It's going to be, it's going to be good. That scene where he like gets out of the shower and he gets, he's like, I got a phone call and he's got like, and, you know, because it's Battlestar and it's weird and they have, like, wired phones. And he's like, oh, no, and he's, a, he's got the thing on his ear and it's slipping and the towel's on his waist. He's like, oh, no, I got, I got 10 guys calling me. I got a trial in two hours and the papers and, you know. A sec- I need more cornerless paper. <laughs> yeah, sounds really exciting, dude. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait to watch. You want to cover it? Yeah, dude, We're going to do two episodes per episode of the show. Yeah, we'll do we'll do Caprica and then we'll do uh, Leah Dama, <laughs> Attorney at Law. Yeah. Yeah, woof. Anyway, he uh, he drops a question. What if it was Zach? What if, oh, this is, so this brutal, is the man. question that is yeah. very important. There's many interesting things brought into this, and it's this: Would that change how we really feel about him? Again, this goes back to Boomer Athena. Yeah, absolutely. What a point he's making, and that's a thing. And, and you know, that's a thing to think about. It is. It really is because that that really gets at the at the foundational like identity of being human of like well if something i mean hell we just talked about it a minute ago they still it challenges detect. the it cha- i'm sorry right. to interrupt you but it challenges the entire premise of the show of which the war the, of everything, of everything. Yeah. that in that premise is gigantic could this yeah. end in peace dude i i thought that too and i i am intrigued by that i i would not uh, be against that actually i think that would be really interesting well there you have it sue for peace as they say yeah but dude the other the the other thing i like about that is just this moment of kind of just boiling it all down of like if some you know like we were saying about the silent detector they still don't even have any way of detecting a cylon they Mm. cannot discern even if you put them under the scalpel you cannot discern whether somebody is a cylon or a human you can't tell a difference. And that, that kind of still begs the question of, well, if they're that close, 
is there a difference? Like, should we treat them as like lesser or other? It's like, well, aren't they just like fully equal to us? Sort, I of, mean, sort of metaphorical for our current cultural battles on the planet Earth, right? It's interesting. <laughs> I mean, we're all the same shit underneath. Right. It's all it's all blood and gooey stuff. Yep. Uh but but yeah, I mean like in this whole thing, I mean their whole war is predicated on this idea of they are machines. They want our utter destruction. They are unlike us in every way. And that's that. And we are at war. Wait a minute, it's wait a minute, full- wait a minute. The war is predicated on you nuked twelve of our planets. <laughs> no, because I mean they'd been, they'd been in conflict before that though. No, I know. Yeah, forty years before, correct. Right, right. Like they they are at e- that are at each other's uh, you know, against each other for their essentially their whole existence like you know they they want to this war and i I think you would get pretty much the same answer from the higher-ups of either side even way back in the first cylon war when when he was husker um even back then i think you you ask the higher-ups of either side how does this war end and it's like with the full eradication of the other side that's what it is. Like, that's the stakes. It's not like, oh, we want them to, you know, we were going to invade their capital and get them to stand down and surrender. It's like, no, we want to eradicate them. Total existence. Yeah. Um, and, and you can only do that if you see them as something so other and completely different and not worthy of life. But, uh, you know, I, I think Lee makes the point there of like, well, if, if it's truly undetectable, indiscernible difference, is, is there a difference? Yeah, it's it's. I think mostly it's predicated on this idea that at this at the outset the colonies were not always friendly to one another. There were conflicts amongst the colonists. There were yeah. battles and wars, and then the galvanizing force of the Cylons that they created to help them turned against them. But the Cylons were like, "We aren't your slaves anymore," and it, and they <laughs> saw it as this big exodus, this big sort of uh, rebellion, <laughs> which is hilarious. Right. It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild to think about it in those big terms. But let's talk about because we already sort of touched on the Andrews. I'd, I'd kill you if you were Cylon. Let's talk about Kara going to see Roslyn. Ooh, yeah, dude, you don't want Kara like assailing your position, right? You sure? I, I couldn't remember don't. how it was going to go. I was like, oh, is she infiltrating? I'm like, nope, she's assaulting. She has flashbangs and <laughs> she's making a hard push here. All of it. And you, there was a quick, uh, I have to imagine it's going to come back in the next episode in part two. Uh, but there's a quick line there where earlier when it's uh, Lee talking to Bill and he's like, where's, where's Roslyn staying these days? And he's like, oh, she's staying in my quarters and, you know, until her, her current, I think like basically chemotherapy treatment is over mm-hmm. with until she can find her own. So that's an interesting point because she's in Adama's quarters. That's right. And he's not, you know, in bed next to her in this moment, but you got to imagine that he is in there. And I feel like next episode, that's going to be the only <laughs> thing that keeps her from fucking maybe wasting Rosalind, that Adama is there. Yeah. Well, what do you think Kara would, to, do you think to, to make the, the to, to, to sway the fleet to her side, she would kill the sitting president? Honestly, maybe. Because mm, I like it. Because this is a Kara that we haven't seen. I mean, like we've said, we, we're seeing her having these physical reactions uh, to being pulled further away. And she has a more fanatical devotion to to getting to Earth than we've ever seen her have. Um, and, I mean, to be honest, when she starts attacking the Marines, I was like, holy shit, you seem more like a Cylon than ever. Yeah, she, uh, I, don't, I don't think she killed anyone. She used non-lethal weapons. Okay, just like knocked them out. Flashbangs. Well, yeah, but she also beats down those dudes uh, in front of Anders. Right. Yeah, she beats the... I don't think they were killed, though. 
I don't, yeah, I don't think necessarily, but I mean, she's she not good. I'm not, I'm not saying it's good. <laughs> no. Make no mistake. I'm just, saying, I'm just saying she attacks mar- several Marines, gets flashbangs and a gun and points it at the fucking president. I'm like, that is some pretty desperate shit you're doing. And if she's going to go that far, I'm like, well, her trying to kill a, uh, a Rosalind is not entirely out of the question, I feel like. Fair enough. We will know very soon because next week that's what's going to happen, my good man. We are going to have a a little showdown with Kara and the Prez, unless she gets sniped, um, (laughs) killed. But um, yeah, good stuff. Beautiful. Well, do we have any other? Do we have any other comments about this? It was just just that that piece that Brinkley brought up. He he put two comments. I just wanted to kind of get to. He had a, a longer comment. Um, he, the stuff he says about Starbucks school, he says, you know, through this process, you can feel Starbucks frustration. Balter goes from self-preservation to self-sacrifice at the drop of a hat, <laughs> all while seeming Good to point. always find time to indulge in coitus with another woman. It's both at times mm-hmm. amusing and heartfelt. This, the looks on Callus's face when he's being led through the secret compartment and discovering his loyal followers, including a makeshift altar to the one guy's Balter is a great example of his physical acting. In fact, he sums up the entire bizarre scene with a right. Dude, I love that moment. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Everyone wants to kill me or worship me. Okay. Yeah. Pretty wild. So good. Pretty wild. wild. I like Damn his army. point though. Self-preservation to self-sacrifice to the drop of a hat. That's a pretty wild thing to say about the one and only guy, Baltar. Mm-hmm. The pretty massive swing in one episode for a boy. Just a wildly written dude, man. He's fucking wild. Yeah. But we've been, we honestly though I feel like the show has laid down the groundwork for for this. I mean, we have seen him for sure. quite the uh, the religious journey, really, yeah, uh, yeah. with with six and with Deanna up up until this point. He's not he's perfect. Been, he's not a Star Trek Next Generation character. And no. Sometimes that that is challenging for people. Like it's hard, you know. Sometimes that, yeah, but but he's kind of a weasel. You know, there's always that part of him, and that's. <laughs> That's uh, that's that's how you when you can write somebody like that. It's like, oof, man, that's that's wild. <laughs> what does that mean? Right. You know, he's like, kind he's, of a dick, and I'm like, yeah, he is. <laughs> he's the outsider, and they had to write him to be the outsider. It would be boring if he was just like, oh, I'm I'm yes, indeedly doodly, high five, I salute all the all you like. Like he's not in the colonial fleet, and and we see that how it plays out. Neither is Anders, although Anders is more of a of a good boy, you know. Even though Anders oh, yeah. is less like that too. Like when it came to, you know, Caribbean out there needing to be rescued, he's like, fuck your dumb law. Like fuck your military shit. I'm going to get my wife, you know? (laughs) Right. Right. But anyway, I'm looking forward to next week, dude. That was a lot of fun. And we will be back next week. Again, we've got a few in a row. We've announced this on our Facebook and our social media, but I know, um, most people listen versus engage in social media. So we're covering he that believeth in me. We're recording this right now on the 17th. Um, on the 24th, we're going to record The Ties That Bind. And on the 31st, we're going to record Six of One. So we're going to have, we're doing uh, a few BSGs in a row here, which is going to be awesome. So we're going to kick season four off the way it needs to be kicked off and get us all, yeah. all cemented in before we go back to our alternating weeks. So, well, I think that about does it for me, Matthew. I, uh, I really like this episode. I think it's awesome. And uh, I think we're done. You got anything else to say? Dude, I'm tapped. Tapped. Awesome. Looking forward to the rest of this season. Yeah, man. That was good stuff. All right. We'll catch you guys on the flip side. Goodbye.